Welcome to Political as Heck for the week of February 5th. This is a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by the very busy right now, Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What's up, Todd? Hey, Corey. Hey. Our uh, very special guest has joined us, Senator Dan McKay. Senator, welcome to the show and uh, really glad you could join us. wonder if you could tell us a little bit about, start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, including what district you represent and How'd you get your start in the legislature? Sure. Uh, let's see. I I actually started, I think, boy, I think Todd was appointed to office like a few days before me. Uh, I was appointed in 2012, just before the 2012 legislative session. We were both the same week because we both replaced legislators who left to run for Congress. Yeah, it was that same week. I, I couldn't remember, but I think you were just before me. You know, I kind of threw my name in on a whim. There was... You know, when uh, uh, my predecessor, Carl Wimmer, was uh, running for Congress, you know, there were seven people all jumped in the race. And I just put my name in, just thought I'd give it a shot and, you know, see what I could learn about the process and everything else. I I never anticipated that I was going to win. And then, uh, you know, get to the Capitol and that was, you know, that following Monday I was sworn in. Uh, and the next day was the, the first day I met Todd Weiler. We, we sat next to each other on a, uh, social services appropriations committee. Uh, he looked like an old pro and, and, <laughs> and I was, I was still trying to find the bathrooms <laughs> looking back on it. I'm really glad I did it. Cause I, I couldn't imagine not serving in the legislature. It's been such a, honestly, a joy in my life. It's, you know, I tell people all the time and they ask me like, what, you know, what do you like about going up there? It's just the politics and all the people and, you know, people yelling at you. I said, well, how, how do you enjoy that? And I said, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a part of it for sure. But I, I tell you the, the truest sentiment for me is, uh, you know, my first job I had in high school, actually it was in, in junior high school was uh, delivering papers uh, and, you know, delivering newspapers. And I had the morning route. You had to get up at five in the morning, fold newspapers, deliver them, and then get to school. You know, this was, uh, this was my gig. But I remember I used to get in trouble because my mom, she'd come out. I was supposed to be done by six o'clock. And uh, she'd come out and find me in the driveway with the newspaper completely unfolded. And I had been reading the newspaper all morning, just like combing through it for just, you know, political things or, or just news of the day. And it's interesting. I get up to the Capitol, you know, and, and I, I joined the, when I joined the legislature, I found like, you know, 103 other nerds, just like me who like to check the news. They love current events and all that stuff. And so for me, in a lot of ways, it's like a family. Uh, you know, I, I joke, uh, Todd's one of my favorite up there just because, He's got a little personality to him and he punches back and, you know, you've got to be ready on your toes at all times. And, and, uh, uh, he's got a good quick wit. And Oh, anyway, come I, on, Dan. I'm just a big softy. Well, this is, this is true if they get to know you, but I don't think most people at first know that about you as much as, <laughs> as much as I've gotten to know it. So that's true. That's more, that's more nuanced. I guess, uh, I live in Riverton. Uh, my district is the South end of the Salt Lake Valley and the north end of Utah County. Uh, I, m- I'm married uh, with uh, six kids, uh, and we live in Riverton. My, my wife, Tawny, is on the Riverton City Council, and so uh, we tend to address 
the legislature and politics almost all the time in our house. And it's, it's really sad for our kids. I think they're getting a very warped childhood. Yeah, yeah that's right. So I was in the house for seven years. And then in 2018, I was elected to the Senate to take over for Senator Howard Stevenson and uh, been in the Senate. I'm, I'm just now starting my second term. All right, Senator. So you're leading the charge for the state to adopt a new state flag, and I see it behind your head. So over the past several months, input's been collected from the public on multiple different designs. At this point, a final design has been developed. You sponsored the bill that recently passed the Senate to adopt this new design. I think it's safe to characterize this effort to change the flag as controversial, though not uh, along the usual partisan lines, which makes it a little more interesting. But can you tell us about this effort and the motivations behind it? Yeah, you know, um, I think the first time somebody brought it to my attention was in 2016. Uh, I had been in the house, you know, at that, by that point, I've been in the house for, for four years or so. And, and somebody uh, brought it up. I think it was Representative Stratton or maybe it was Representative Handy. I can't remember. They kind of had competing bills for a couple of years. Representative Stratton's approach was, here's the new state flag, adopt it. It's already been designed. All you have to do is adopt it, right? Well, you know, anytime you tell the legislature something's done and they don't have any input, that's not going to go well, okay? Uh, I've learned that over the, over the past few years, and I think, you know, wise people recognize that. And so um, the, the idea that Handy had was to come up with a commission and design it and he had all these ideas. Well, when I first heard it, I'm like, this is dumb. Our flag is fine. We don't need to spend any more time on this. Let's move on. And I think I was actually one of the original like no votes on the bill when it came to a committee and, and I voted to kill it and thought, you know, what a dumb idea. Then between 2016 and 17, a, uh, the bill came, or before the bill came back, I, I went to a national conference of state legislatures um, meeting. And, you know, these meetings always do things to kind of make, you know, make the states or fe- feature the states. That's their whole thing. Well, they um, they had a, uh, uh, I want to say an interesting setup in one of the rooms. Usually when you're setting up flags, you set them up by date that they were, you know, you're going to display all 50 states. You set them up by date that they were admitted to the union. So Utah's actually, you know, usually one of the last because we were one of the last, you know, we were the 45th state. Um, but this person, whoever set it up, didn't know that rule, I guess. And they lined one side of the room with flags that are, uh, they were all blue. Uh, and then, you know, in fact, I could share my screen and show you a graphic really quickly. When, when you arrange the state flags, you can literally take half of the state flags because they're blue with some kind of seal on them. And in fact, like, of, of those 26 flags that have, are blue with a seal on the background. So uh, you can see they had lined up the hallway kind of with this half of the, of the screen or of the flags. And the other half were, you know, were just there and, and, and were just there. And I, it's interesting, this whole room, everybody spent all the time on this side of the room looking at all these interesting flags. And the blue side of the room was completely lonely. 
all by itself and nobody was paying attention to it because they all look the same because they all, all look the same with the state seal in the middle yep that's exactly right and so and since they weren't interesting or you know nobody really was compelled by them i, I went over there see if i could find utah's and in my process of trying to find utah uh you know i i was able to find it after the fourth or fifth flag that i pulled out i'm like man that's interesting my flight just happened to on the way home I'm thinking, oh, you know, our flag, it does kind of fit in with a whole bunch of other flags. And then on my way home, I, uh, I happened to be connecting through the Denver airport. And if you've ever been to the Denver, Colorado airport, in every gift shop, there is something from Denver, Colorado. In fact, if anybody wants to, they can go Google uh, YOLO Colorado, okay? And it is a store that is basically dedicated to Colorado flag gear. And then I started noticing that it was on everything and on everyone. And shortly after that, I went on a trip down to Texas uh, for, for some meetings. And sure enough, man, that Texas flag was everywhere. And it's like everywhere I went, I was, I was seeing states who were celebrating their flag and celebrating their identity. Well, quickly, I kind of started digging into it. And then a, a flag podcast. I mean, talk about your nerd flag uh, stuff i found a podcast by a guy named roman mars about flags that's an 18 minute video that by the end of the 18 minutes i was 100 percent convinced that the state flag of utah could be something different and better and, so, and so Corey, the, let, let me just jump in one second yeah so there are elements of good flag design um and our flag meets none of them I, I just, just in a nutshell. Yeah, I was going to say, you can see, I was going to show Todd, these are the five principles that are on the screen now. These are the five principles of good flag design. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, keep it simple, use meaningful symbolism, use two to four basic colors, no lettering or seal, and be distinctive or be related. Okay. And the reason, the reason, right, Dan, that you use no lettering is because if you see the flag from the from backwards, you know, then, then the lettering is, it's hot to, Utah is hot to instead of Utah, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. See, I could do that really quickly with this slide and not lose the significance of it. <laughs> fact, and industry some, is backwards too. Yeah. Somebody said to me, Todd, the other day, they called it hate you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, but interestingly, in 2001, the, there's actually a society of flag nerds uh that i've i've now joined um but uh the north american vexillology vexillological association they did a flag ranking and they said they found that utah was ranked 36 in flags and believe it or not like states at the time that had you know racist overtones in their flags were considered to be better designs than our state flag was at the time not that that's you know uh, that definition changes over time then I went to the I went on a trip to the Four Corners, and sure enough, you know, I think it was that later that summer or something. But sure enough, I saw these four flags and realized, man, I was just like I was being bombarded with examples for how our flag could be better. And uh, uh, you know, it, Colorado has certainly you know like I talked about it earlier. New Mexico is known as being one of the best. And you know, the interesting thing was. I, when I found this this phrase and uh, this truism in that uh, in that presentation uh, of Roman Mars, he said, "People don't rally behind a flag; 
They rally behind the ideals and the principles the flag represents. It needs to be designed well, but also needs to be representing the right things. And one of the other things he talks about in that presentation is how if you don't have a good flag, you end up conceding your entire state identity to your sports teams. So if you go to Disneyland, if you go anywhere else out in the world, how do you know that how do you know that somebody else is from Utah? For sure. You, they're wearing a BYU shirt. Versus Utah. Utah or BYU, you know what I mean? You see all that stuff. And you know, it's it's interesting. I tell a story just just hilariously one time. My son pointed out to Disneyland, you know, hey, there's some people from Utah. And I said, well, how do you know? He's like, oh, they've got Utah, University of Utah gear on. I said, well, should we go say hi? And he said, no, we don't, we don't like Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's, it's pretty funny because, you know, I don't know about you, Corey. Do you own anything that has like the state seal or the state flag on it anywhere? Nope, never come up. No, I don't. Never, right? Because can you imagine this hat? <laughs> <laughs> For those on the podcast who can't see, it's a it's a hat of the flag, and it's really not attractive. At well, all. it's it's really the state seal, but yeah. The I was gonna say, am I still? I think I'm still sharing my screen, so hopefully they yeah, can still see it. We can see it. So you know, it's this it's this state seal uh, hat, and it's it's pretty hideous, right? And and the idea of 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 that thing, you know, just being on somebody's head, we we know it doesn't work. And I was, it was really interesting. I just tell you this because this, this last year I, I'm a golfer and I, I went to a, a golf store here in Salt Lake and uh, it's all the county. And I was just happened upon the golf bag area and they had three golf bags that had the state seal etched on the etched onto the golf bag. And I said, Oh, these are really, it's the first time I'd ever seen the seal on something commercially. And so I just happened to get to the like manager and I'm like, so what prompting you to do this? He's like, he's like, well, we sell a lot of Arizona, Texas and, and, uh, and California bags, but we sell absolutely zero Utah stuff. So I thought I'd make some Utah stuff. So he made this Utah stuff and sure enough, there were three of them. He said, I had three of them made. I still have all three of them. He sold me all three of them for a hundred bucks each. They were $200 bags. And, and I asked him, I said, why do you, what, what feedback, like, why don't people buy it? His answer was really revealing. He said, he said, the seal on a golf bag looks like it belongs to a government official. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was And he say. said, it's not something that people themselves can relate to. It's legitimately only for the government. And that was of, of all the things that I've heard and talked about, that was the one thing that, that was very shocking to me. Uh, was this idea that it, it just couldn't be used for the people. And recent polling actually shows that that's true. Only 11% of the state of Utah, of the population of Utah, own the state flag. Only 11%. And of that 11%, only 9% of that 11% have anything on their clothes or their shirt or anything else or a hat that represents the state of Utah's flag or has a state seal on it. So that would be 1% of the population. Yeah. And I would actually say it's actually 1% of the people, they must have talked to the governor because otherwise, you know, nobody owns it. So that was kind of the why, right? Is like we've completely forfeited our state identity. 
to to other you know other purposes and other other state uh, other state you know symbols like our sports teams and stuff like that yeah so that makes a lot of sense uh i want to give you the chance to respond to a few of the criticisms sure so wait, wait there's criticisms <laughs> this, this yeah. is new to me, news to me what do you say to the critics who call this a frivolous waste of time and taxpayer money basically your view uh apparently 10 years ago well i would say uh i would say that anybody that feels that way you know it's easy i think to sit back and feel like it's a waste of time if you haven't spent any time on it and i think once you spend some time on it like somebody said flags are dumb and they sat there for an hour trying to convince me that spending any time on flags was dumb and by the end of the hour-long conversation i said now you just spent an hour telling me that flags were dumb and that it wasn't worth spending any time on and yet you you didn't want to end this conversation early like help me understand how you got there and the person said okay i guess you're right flags do matter and that's what i really have come to come to learn is that people really care about the flag they just don't know how to express their frustration about why this flag is either their favorite thing or why they would prefer it not to change and i i understand the historical perspective where you know it's been our history that kind of thing most people that claim the historical perspective they really don't know the history of the flag yeah uh, can you share that with us what is the history of the flag? Well, i can do this i can well I'll go ahead todd no you go, go ahead. ahead i want well, I'll, I'll start it and you fill it in so utah first adopted a flag in 1911 and then we made some slight alterations in 1913 and then we we were using the wrong flag and so in 2011 we made we corrected back to the right flag and you know it's funny because i've gotten several e well, it's ironic because i've gotten several emails saying you know my great great grandmother is a pioneer and you're spitting in her face and i i don't say this corey but it's like your great great grandmother was dead by 1911 i promise you if she was an original pioneer <laughs> she did not survive till 1911 but dan fill in that with more context well, the content is way too rich. What I can, what I can tell you is here. Let me let me start this up really quickly. I'm just going to share my screen again because you know this yeah. is the original 1903 flag. Okay, I want to show everybody because the history is really important. But this is a letter from the governor at the time, Governor Wells, and he's excited to fly. And you can see it up close now. What's he excited to fly there, Corey? Governor's flag at the, the governor's Fair. flag. In 1903, <laughs> this was created as the governor's flag. Okay, here we are, Governor Sperry. He's recognizing receipt from Heber M. Wells. What was it called? Governor's flag. In 1903 and 1912, it was called the governor's flag. And it was the governor's flag forever. And all I'm trying to do is honor history and return it to the governor's flag. <laughs> See, in 1903 to 1912 in 1911 okay we adopted a flag because everybody just we knew we needed a flag and so we just went with the state emblems what's interesting is and people don't really think about the history but we tried for 50 years to be a state and you realize when you look closely at our state flag okay when you look closely at our state flag what you see i asked a kid a fourth grade student and he said what i asked him what do you see he said i see america so what do you mean he's like well You've got the shield, you know, 
which the territorial seal, if you had more time, I'd show it to you. The territorial seal was just the shield with the beehive and they were actually roses because Brigham Young talked about the desert blossoming as a rose mm-hmm. and sago lilies were later adopted as part of the flag. Uh, it, that's a whole long story. Um, so, but this shield was really all it was the territorial flag and they, they adopted the shield because the pioneers were looking for safety. Well, it wasn't until 1895 that the federal symbolism started surrounding the state flag. And if you start to think about what the president in 1894 called the twin evils, one was slavery and the other was polygamy. And the fact that at the time they were aimed at, quote, squashing the slavery states and the polygamy states. It's interesting when you think about the history, as I look at the seal as it is today, I don't see like pioneers celebrating American heritage necessarily as much as I see pioneers submitting to an American federal government Mm. who's going to surround them on all sides and tell them what to do. In fact, we're going to send a military to prove that you're doing what we asked you to do in the first place of statehood. And, and they divided up, they eliminated, you know, federal government eliminated their political parties. The federal government told them how to organize their parties. The federal government sent in all these different like attitudes and literally the Utah, all the other states around Utah had already been adopted into the union. And it was just this whole, it was Utah. And so the problem, when you look at all this context, I love the beehive that says Utah, the rest of it says America. And when it's flying with the American flag, I've got three American flags that I'm showing off. And so, you know, I, I don't take anything away from it, from, from any of it at all. What I say is, and I just show you this really quickly because I did this on the floor, but, you know, the, the base of this flag is, is the blue because Utah's blue skies I and mean, we are just some of the most amazing skies. And if you get down to the rural parts of the state, man, I tell you, there's not a better place without all that light pollution. The Red Rocks and Southern Utah is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. and it's, it's phenomenal. Last, you know, the White Mountain Range, you start adding the White Mountain Range to it. And like, man, that's that's incredible in and of itself. The gold hexagon, right? The, the bees only create two things in the beehive. Baby bees, I guess three, baby bees and honey, right? And then part of that is the inner side, which is the honeycomb. And they use that honey, that hexagon shape because it's the strongest naturally occurring architectural shape. So the thought was to take that inside of the beehive and bring it out and represent Utah's strength. And then you have the gold beehive, which we're the beehive state. We're always going to be. And, uh, and then, you know, we changed recently to the more colonial looking star to celebrate our, our uh, statehood. Uh, and then, you know, using the five peaks of the, of the mountain ranges to celebrate our indigenous background, our indigenous health, or our indigenous, indigenous residents. Our five tribes. Our five tribes, and I'll just show you this slide really quickly. I'll, let me hit. See, and the other part, you know, I, I I could go on about this obviously for days, and you guys have been way too kind. But I will tell you this: some people look at it and they say, "Oh, there's our White Mountains because that's beautiful, and they're snowy, and we and we ski on them, and there's our Red Rock because you know we love the Red Rocks of Southern Utah." But when I when I look at that, I look at the effort that our pioneer heritage had to use, and not just the pioneers, but also the indigenous people, they were very, living on the Wasatch Front when when, when all those people first got here, it was hard work. It was sacrifice. It was perseverance. 
And when I see those things, that's what I see on those ranges. And that's what I see on that flag is not just the landscape that we know that's beautiful. It's the effort of our forefathers to make it the place that we live in today. And it's that connection, honestly, that like that strong connection that I hope we will celebrate long into our future. So there you go. Do you have other, other concerns you wanted to Well, mention? Corey, I was just going to say, I don't know if I shared this earlier, but John Curtis, Congressman Curtis, came and saw us the first week of the session. And he encouraged us to move forward with the flag. He said when he was governor, uh, mayor of Provo, they proposed a new flag. It was very controversial, a lot of opposition. And they adopted a new flag. And he said within two years, he said there would have been, uh, a re, you know, riots in the street if they tried to take that new flag away because mm. people just embraced it. He said, so, you know, sometimes these things change is hard. He said, he said, if you guys move forward and adopt this new flag, uh, people will embrace it. And I, I think he's right. When we first see something, it takes us a little bit of time to, to kind of warm up to it or, or figure it out. Right. But I think once, once we start to identify, once we start to understand the symbolism, those concerns, they just, they just fall into the background. And then you start seeing hats everywhere. Right. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. people can identify themselves as being from Utah some other way than than our universities. And that's really, yeah. you know, people want to say this is woke. It's canceling our history. Yada yada yada. I understand those sentiments, but it isn't the intent of any of it. I don't know how you erase our pioneer heritage by putting a huge. I mean, this beehive is two hundred and seventy six percent bigger than the beehive on our existing state flag. <laughs> and the only difference is. I like my beehive with 100% less federal government. You make a very strong case. And I'll be honest with you. I, I entered this conversation. And my, I guess my view is like, I don't care one way or the other. But you, you've convinced me that this is a, this is a good thing. So. And I told you, Corey, three years ago, I was totally against this. The first time Dan talked to me about it, I'm like, why are you wasting my time? Let's talk about something important. But I came That's around. I came around 180 degrees on it. So, so uh, we're going to package this as a podcast, Dan. So is there a way, could you, could you send uh, yeah, me or Todd yeah. the, uh, the slides yep. and we, we will, we'll connect that in the, sh in the show notes, link it in the show notes so that people can, uh, can look at that and look. Okay. I just, Great. I just tell you this, like in closing, I just, I just say, I ask people just, just give this a chance. You know, I recognize the initial reaction is, this is dumb. It doesn't need to happen. You know, those kinds of things. Our seal does serve an important purpose. It is a great connection to our history. But like the, like the seal of the United States, it is meant to be shown like up close where you can see it. If you have to look at it up on a flagpole, it's really, really hard to tell it apart. And that is legitimately one of the most important things for people to understand is that this flag that we have had since 1903, or at least iterations of it, is not going anywhere. We are still going to use it in state government in a lot of different ways. And, you know, Brad, I'll just show you this because I showed this to my house colleagues. We are also working on a license plate to commemorate uh, That's good looking. the flag. And, and yeah. yeah, once you see it, it's hard. Like, I can't wait to get it on my, on my, on my vehicle. Yeah, it's good looking. And, and it would be very, I mean, the ski Utah is, is pretty uh, iconic too, but I think yeah. that would be good too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, our, our other ones are based around tourism stuff, right? Ski Utah and the arches, life elevated. Notice I've changed the saying at the bottom of the plate. Beehive State. <laughs>
We're the Beehive State. That's our brand. Let's just lean into it. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, that's all you want to know. You're not, you're not sponsoring a state steel uh, license plate here. <laughs> no, we already have one. It's on all the government vehicles, and nobody ever requests it for their own vehicle. <laughs> it's available, but they don't request it. This is great stuff. Senator McKay, thank you very much. We've gone way longer than we normally do. I'm sorry. It was a, it was a good conversation. And, and I think this was a good, thorough examination of a topic that I know people get really jazzed about. So hopefully they'll listen to this and maybe they don't agree. Yeah, it's another sports team that identifies the state. <laughs> Whether they agree with you or not, that's a, that's a, I think you've made a strong case uh, at the very least. So. Hey, Corey, we'll talk again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Senator McKay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks, Senator. Take care, everyone.